Hey friends, if you've ever listened to my podcast before, you know that we're always welcoming new members into our global recovery community, the Recovery Collective. 2022 is going to be a big year for us with even more amazing guest workshops, cook-alongs, yoga, peer support, and group coaching. If you've been thinking of joining, now is the time because we will be closing membership doors on February 2nd. This means you will have less than a month to join until we open our membership doors again in June. With that being said, please join the membership today and feel connected and inspired in your recovery by a community of professionals and friends who care about you. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of the podcast, and I will see you inside the collective on February 2nd. You're listening to the Full and Thriving Podcast, a place where courageous women come to break free from food obsession, heal their relationship with their body, and strive to live a life that's present, lighthearted, and meaningful. If you're listening, my wish is that this podcast serves as a catalyst that inspires you to nourish your body, nurture your mind, and energize your spirit. I'm your host, Meg McCabe a certified life coach and eating disorder recovery coach with a PhD in having a good time. Just kidding about that last part. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, friends. Today is a special episode of the podcast because we're bringing back two previous guests who are featured as members of the Recovery Collective in episode 28 called Inside the Recovery Collective Community, Friendship, and Support. During the last episode with Anna and Kelsey, we heard all of their experiences as founding members inside the Recovery Collective. Over the past year, they have showed up to countless hours of collective events And they have really proven to be leaders inside our beautiful community. And it was just a matter of time before my co-coach, Anne Claire, and I decided to invite them to be recovery mentors for 2022. Since the last episode, Anna and Kelsey have arrived to very strong places in their recovery journeys And we have fully trained both of them to be qualified peer mentors inside this group. And before I get into exactly what a recovery mentor for the collective is and what they will be doing in 2022, I wanted to remind you all that the Recovery Collective is the original online eating disorder recovery membership that brings eating disorder recovery warriors together for education, friendship, and recovery support. Our members get approximately 10 hours of live support each month in the form of live virtual events, including group coaching hosted by me, trauma-informed yoga with Anne Claire, nourish and learn sessions with Talia Sicelle, who is an eating disorder specialized dietitian, monthly guest workshops with people like Mia Finley, Kate Noel, Carolyn Costin, and some other really beautiful souls. 
And of course, we have peer support sessions. And then finally, live journaling and meditation sessions every other week. And side note there, the peer support is a new addition to 2022, which is a chance for our members to connect without being recorded on Zoom. So it's our most private call. Other than that, all of the events are recorded and stored in our easy-to-access content library, which is home to an entire year of content already that you can go back and watch at any time whenever you want. We also have a private Facebook community where our members can connect daily, hold each other accountable to their goals, and also reach out for help when they need it most. And it always gives me so much joy and warms my heart when members reach out for help on that Facebook wall because most often people are met with a huge wave of support and compassion and understanding that really brings tears to my eyes. I know it's wild to say that, but it's completely true. It is overwhelming how much people in this community are willing to help each other, which is something I'm so proud of. Anyway, back to the main event. What does a recovery mentor inside the recovery collective do? Well, We created the Recovery Mentor role to be the go-to peer resource for questions, thoughts, and concerns that any new members might have. Our Recovery Mentors are trained to welcome new members into the community and teach them how to use our content library, access the Zoom events, and participate in the Facebook group. They're also the first friendly faces you'll encounter as a new member So when you build up the courage to finally come to a live call, you already have a familiar face present so that you can feel comfortable enough to be yourself when you do show up. We know that it takes so much courage to join a community, especially one that's focused on something so vulnerable like eating disorder recovery. Our peer mentors are here for you so that you can be supported as you fully integrate into our space as you make new friends, and get the most of your membership. Remember, you only have until February 2nd to sign up, and then the doors to our membership will close until the summer, which is kind of far away. So now is really the time to snag your membership and do something kind for yourself in 2022. Let's actually make a step towards recovery and Do something different and change the energy of your current recovery process. And remember that you are worthy of support. You are worthy of friendship and connection. And you do not have to isolate inside the hell of your eating disorder. You can actually recover with a community of people who understand what you are going through. And with that, please enjoy this interview with our new recovery mentors, Kelsey and Anna. Hello, everyone. Today is a really special episode because I've invited two recovery collective members who are now recovery mentors in our community, Anna and Kelsey. So Anna and Kelsey, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having us again. 
<laughs> I'm so happy you're back. And I'm sure people listening are excited to hear updates from you. And I wanted to take this as an opportunity to kind of introduce you both as the recovery mentors that you have kind of grown into becoming this year. So I wanted to, first of all, have you guys introduce yourselves just for those who need a little refresher on who you are. So Anna, where are you from and what do you do? Hi, my name is Anna. I'm 27. I live currently in Leipzig in Germany and I'm a PhD student in neuroscience. Wonderful. I always find it very impressive that you are studying neuroscience. <laughs> well, at least it sounds very impressive. <laughs> you don't it does know what it sounds very impressive. I have no clue what you do every day, but it sounds extremely impressive to me. So, <laughs> love it. Awesome. And Kelsey, welcome. Thank you. So I'm Kelsey. I'm located in Los Angeles, California. I do something very different from Hannah. I am a wine consultant slash educator. Very, very cool. Again, I'm always so proud of the members inside of the collective because I love to hear what you guys are doing with your lives outside of recovery. And we all can kind of embrace those qualities within the collective too, just knowing you guys and who you are outside of recovery has just brightened my life. And I'm sure I can, I know I can say that about other members as well. We're just going to dive right in. We're just going <laughs> to dive right in. How did your eating disorder begin? I can go first. I feel like sometimes I feel like the, the story is short and then probably it isn't once you start talking, right? I think actually Maybe I mentioned that before, but I feel like my eating disorder started quite unusual, if you can say that there is a usual way anyway, but quite late in my, I would say, early 20s when I was about to finish my master's program and I was looking for a PhD position and there were just a lot of changes going on in my life. I was also moving and there was some personal stuff going on. And before that, I was... I was never like super aware or like concerned about my body and my appearance because I had a certain appearance that people would consider acceptable and they would compliment me on that. So in that period, it actually changed and I was not even noticing at first, but then people commented on that. And all of a sudden there was this thing in my head that like clicked and I was like, oh, so something's changing and like that's, I have to do something about it. And then this all basically started. And then with all of the changes happening in my life, I feel like this was the thing that was trying to give me control, but also trying to fix all the struggles that I had and to fix the anxiety and fears that I had with all of the changes. It was also quite probably comparably short, but it felt, well, no matter how long it takes, right? It's still not pleasant. It's still every day is one too many. And that is about my story. And now I'm like almost one year into recovery already. Okay. Wow. I definitely can relate to the idea of people complimenting your appearance and having that kind of reinforce something that just motivates the eating disorder, right? Mm -hmm. It's like somebody says something and then it clicks for the first time. That, oh, this feels really good. And then you're, at least for me, I just realized, oh, the more I diet, the more I strive to lose weight, the more 
almost like a higher status I was going to achieve, which obviously all of that's total BS, but that's what was going on in my head. Was that something you feel you had experienced as well? I feel like actually for me, it's, I didn't have to do anything for it. And people were just like, oh yeah, but you're always so thin, right? You don't even have to do anything. And I was just like, well, yeah, I mean, what can I do about it? That's just how it is. And then this changed. And then I'm like, oh, but then who am I now? It, it was now I can say it was like feeling, uh, losing an identity, right? Because I was like always the thin one who didn't have to do anything about it. Yeah. But then what am I now? Who am I now? And like, I have to stay that way. And what will people think about me? Because I always felt like, oh no, I didn't grow up with like people commenting on my appearance or feeling pressured to look a certain way. And now I can see, well, people were complimenting me about my body shape, which then sort of resulted in this pressure that I felt all of a sudden. Yeah. This is also when I realized how even those comments can later on still have an impact. Yeah. Um, even though they think, oh, they're sort of meant in a positive way. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. I feel like the comments that people say, they don't realize that those can stick with people for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Good ones and bad ones can be misinterpreted or taken to the extreme and then really have a huge impact that was unintended. On yeah, absolutely. Very interesting. So I just want to make sure I understand that you were all, you were always living in a thinner body, but then it mm -hmm. turned into your identity to have this. I would say mask. later on. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I would, like I said, I would never, never really cared about it. I just had this body shape that people would consider good. And I did just didn't care about it. And it like in my head, apparently I thought, oh, it's always going to be that way. Well, but life happens, right? So your body will change. Yeah. And this then sort of just like had this pressure and like, oh, and then I was moving places. So I was like, okay, I have to get back into like a certain acceptable way because what if people won't like me? What if I won't be accepted? And all that blah, 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 that your eating disorder voice tells you in the end. Yeah. Mm. And I, I was not aware of a lot of that back then, but now thinking about it, I can actually understand what was going on in my head. Right, right. When you did the move, did you gain weight unexpectedly? Yeah. So the thing is also, I did gain some weight. It was people were noticing as compared to how I looked before. I actually didn't notice. And that was after a couple of months, there was just like this effort. I think it was even at work. I don't know what my colleague and I were doing there, but there was like this scale and we're on the scale. I was like, wait, that's weird. <laughs> like It was just so out of the blue. And then I was just talking about it. And then people were like, oh yeah, I mean, I know no one said it as a bad thing. But they were like, oh, yeah, I noticed. And they were not even, no, but it's, it sounds judgmental, but they were just like, oh, but it's fine. Like no one cared, but they noticed. And then I started to care all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, so I can't keep going the way I was because then people notice and I have to get back to the way people know me. And especially, yeah, like I said, that when moving somewhere else and feeling all of that anxiety and fear to connect to new people, find new people, settle in. And then there was just a mechanism for me to, to cope and try to try mm -hmm. to overcome those fears. Yeah. Isn't it wild how we can go through life accepting ourselves, feeling blissfully unaware of other people's perception of our flaws or our body. And then it just takes one person to make a comment or a few people to mm -hmm. make a comment. And then you're super self-conscious about it. 
and mm-hmm. yeah. it can change the course of your health. That can be what triggers an eating disorder. So thank you so much for sharing that. And it sounds like you've built a lot of awareness, which we'll talk about soon on how you were able to get through and push towards reaching a pretty stable place in your recovery, which is yeah. great. Awesome. All right, Kelsey. So how did your eating disorder develop? My eating disorder, I would say, obviously, it's it's kind of a process of developing that you don't even really notice until it gets kind of not bad, but it's, I feel like there was a lot leading up. Like, I feel like my whole life, I kind of had some sort of weird eating stuff, but it wasn't really until I was 15 and I was going to high school and I had been going to this other school my entire life for preschool through eighth grade. And I was like really comfortable there. And I didn't even know that I have severe social anxiety until I went to this new school. And it was just like really overwhelming. And I've always been an anxious person, like very anxious and very type A and perfectionistic and did not cope well. And I started just like losing weight and stuff. And, and then I liked it. And then I was like, Oh, well, you know, maybe you just lose a little more because I like, you know, just in case, and it just became like this, just in case, just in case thing. It was never like, I was never like, Oh, I have a goal weight X amount. Like I want to go to that. It was never like that. It was always just a just in case. And then it eventually caught up to me like where when I was 16 the school made me go to inpatient treatment because I was a liability for them yeah that (laughs) that's kind of how it started Mm -hmm. the brief version of it I guess yeah so for you it was really kind of this maladaptive coping mechanism for your social anxiety Mm -hmm. and then to feel a sense of belonging you kept being like just in case this helps me feel socially acceptable. I'll just lose a little bit more here and there. Mm, yeah. yeah. And I also like Anna, I, I, I was already like in like a body that people would compliment and, and stuff. And so it was never like, I was never like told like, Oh, well you could lose some weight or whatever. I think it was just like, I think like Anna said for herself, it was like a way to feel like I had some sort of control and like something to focus on. Yes. Yes. And it's funny because there are probably many people who relate to both of your stories, kind of living with a baseline of thin privilege and being within a socially acceptable quote unquote body size and not being told that our bodies were wrong by anyone directly but still absorbing those messages in the media and social media and movies and everything that we were seeing. I always connect back to Disney princesses and feeling like my body was just like not okay because it didn't look like a Disney princess. And nobody ever told me, oh, your body's not acceptable or your body's too big. But I took in those messages anyway. It's just It's very sad, but okay. Thank you to both of you for setting us up for this conversation here, giving us a little bit of background on the two of you. So Anna, 
as you became aware, because I know there was a point where you became aware that you had an issue and I know you decided to start recovery and you joined the recovery collective. What were some turning points for you that helped you make progress in your recovery? I think it was, well, I think what was first of all, like very, very much supporting was the collective and all, like all of a sudden directly talking to other people who are experiencing the same and to understand. And for some reason, there was also sort of motivating because I mean, well, recovery is not fun, right? But I mean, there's some fun parts of it, of it if you get to know other people and also seeing like you or Anne Claire or some of the other coaches to see like how it could be um, that recovery is possible. And then also, I mean, throughout time and throughout facing the fears and doing challenges and doing like all of the so much mental work, see noticing the progress that I've made was sort of what kept me going. So yeah, it's like those little wins. And then you notice, oh, that, that's actually working. <laughs> like I had to experience it to actually believe it because up, up until then it was always like, well, I really hope this is working because <laughs> that is not fun. But yeah, it's just like those little wins. And I remember, for example, the very first time I was together with friends and we're having dinner and I could actually focus on the conversations and I was not obsessed about what I was eating, what the others were eating and all of the thoughts that are going on in your head. And I was like, oh, I can actually be present with my mind. I can actually be present and enjoy a conversation. And this was really something that I hold on to and really try to be very aware of those moments. But of course, I mean, it's, it's ups and downs. And what has helped me a lot was also just doing one-on-one -on -one coaching because having someone to, and if it's simply for accountability, because like I, I live by myself. And so a lot of times I would find myself in a situation where no one cares, no one knows whether I do a challenge or not, or how I do it or not. But just having someone to talk about it, to help me through it. And also, yeah, to hold me accountable was actually what really helped me as like an external sort mm -hmm. of motivator or, or stability factor. Mm -hmm. I could see how all of those things would come into play to help you. And I hope people listening can take some of your turning points and hopefully apply them to their life. Like it's really important to reflect on the progress you've made and how those little victories have changed your life in a positive way. I absolutely Love that you took the time to reflect and notice those changes and notice the progress, even if you weren't necessarily fully recovered when you were sitting at that dinner, you were like, man, I can actually sit here and be present and everything I've been working really hard for is showing up in my life. And I, I think so many people forget to do that. And then the accountability piece is also a huge game changer. As a coach, I'm very aware of how that can help. So wonderful. I love hearing those. And it really does make me happy that the Recovery Collective kind of made it a little bit more fun for you and helped you feel connected. Mm -hmm. So yeah, nice. Okay, Kelsey, what about you? What were some turning points in your recovery? Fortunately, for the sake of time, but not fortunately for me, I guess, is that I spent about 15 years not wanting recovery. Like I, I had been in and out of treatment centers, but it wasn't, 
I I just did what I had to do to like get people off my back. And I had never, I'd never wanted, I just didn't, I didn't, I just was so entrenched in the eating disorder voice and the eating disorder self that I forgot my healthy self completely. And so it wasn't until like a couple months before the recovery collective began, I started dabbling and looking at recovery accounts on Instagram. And I, I kept seeing like these influencers, which I didn't even know they were like, they had recovery influencers. But I was like seeing like a bunch of them like talking about this thing, like, oh, this thing's launching. And they're talking about the recovery collective. There was like all this buildup and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Sorry, I kind of got off track there. <laughs> but basically, so basically I saw the recovery collective ads and whatever. And I was like, you know, I guess like it wouldn't hurt to like see what this is about because like I was finally getting to a place where I I was like, you know what, maybe I don't want to live like this anymore. I didn't believe though that full recovery is a thing. And I was even told by treatment providers that, oh, you're just going to have to manage it. Oh, you've had it too long. Oh, you're the one of the ones that like, if you've had it over X amount of years, then there's no hope. You just have to manage it. And so I see these these people talking about the recovery collective and they're talking about how they're fully recovered. And I'm like, I was like, okay. And as you know, Meg, I was like, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I'm very skeptical. <laughs> um, but so I, I honestly just joined because I wanted to see the workshops. I wanted to see, okay, you say you're recovered. You people are saying this. So how? Tell me how. <laughs> um, and, but the thing is, so I did not expect that. I would make such amazing and deep friendships that I was not expecting. I just signed up for the workshops and I, I did not expect here I am almost a year later. I can't believe we've had the collective for over for almost a year. And I can tell you all of my closest friends I've met through the collective. Mm. Oh, I have chills when you say that and when I hear other people say that because I feel that way as well. I feel like the members of the collective are true. Obviously there is a role where I lead the collective and I'm teaching in the collective, but I do feel like I've built a level of friendship with many of the members in the group, which makes me really happy. Like it was my birthday a few days ago and a ton of the collective members were wishing me happy birthday. And it just felt really special to know that we've all been a part of this community and we've grown together over the last year. So tell me about that. I know both of you guys have made some friends inside the collective. Kelsey, how has that impacted your every day? It's had such an amazing impact on my every day for multiple reasons. I've always had a hard time being like myself around other people, like completely me, like with my guard down. And I, I was just always like, if people are like, oh, are you like, how are you doing? It was just always like, oh, I'm great. Everything's great, you know? So with the friendships I have in the collective, we all have a common goal of recovery. And we all know how hard recovery is and how sometimes it's, it feels impossible and sometimes it really sucks, like Anna said earlier. 
but we have each other who understand. And so like, I can reach out, like I can reach out to Anna and she gets it. It's, mm-hmm. it's not something like that, that a lot of people can really understand who haven't been through it. So I just, to me, like, it's helped me be more authentic in my life completely because I have these authentic friendships and it's helped me to, when I feel like my motivation is like going down because recovery sucks sometimes these friendships and like how I am now in the world, it reminds me that recovery is worth it. And I want to keep going forward. Kelsey, that's so beautiful. It really means so much to me to hear that you were able to start showing up authentically inside the group and you're like, this is what I can do in life. You know, now I know what authenticity feels like. Let me actually try to do this in the real world, which is amazing. And I think that's really true. I mean, when you have, when you're carrying around this eating disorder day to day and you're trying to make friendships, but there's this like wedge between you, right? Like in the real world, people don't know that you're struggling and people don't get it. And they're going to make these offhand comments that are so insensitive and you can't have those connections. You can't be as vulnerable with people who don't understand. It's like the one thing that people have in common when they join the collective is that everyone in this community has an eating disorder or is recovered from an eating disorder. So there's a level of, I can relax here. Yes. And that is being authentic and relaxing your guard as the enemy of the eating disorder. And so I I don't think it's possible. Well, I know it's not possible to recover if you're not able to be authentic, at least with yourself. So I think that that's really big for me is just getting to a place where I'm like, I'm just being honest with myself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, it's so true. It, it's so easy to be dishonest when yourself, when you're isolated and yep. doing everything on your own, like, Anna was talking about the accountability was so important because Anna lives by herself and all of that. And it's like the isolation makes it so you can just like fester in your eating disorder and be dishonest with yourself and get away with being dishonest with your team. But when you're inside of a community, it's like, we're gonna, you have lots of professionals and friends who are going to call it out when we see it. So very very amazing to hear that from you, Kelsey. And Anna, what are your thoughts like based on what we've been talking about on friendship and impact of the collective? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I can just completely resonate with what Kelsey said, especially because I also remember like going through my life and every time someone would ask me how I am, I would just be like, good, because it was just like a question you ask, you know, out of politeness, no one really cares. And a lot of times I might not even know how I actually feel. And now I, I don't know, I've experienced like a whole different level of friendship. And I've also learned what I actually value in friendship, because I also used to be someone who's like not really good at talking about feelings, what's going through my mind. And now I really learned that this is actually something I very much value in friendships because now I've experienced it. And 
I don't know, sometimes I'm still amazed by the level of trust that we have because we're all in like the most vulnerable state. And it's it's so weird because like we haven't seen each other in person. And I feel like I can say, I can be completely honest, completely by myself and trust everyone. I feel like sometimes we know each other better than people who live right next to me, who don't know me. So it's it's really crazy. It's this amazing feeling of connection and knowing people somewhere in the world who you haven't even met in person, but you know, you can always just contact them and they will, they will not judge whatever you say. It's like, even if you, because speaking of accountability, even if you want to, I don't know, say you want to have, do a challenge and you can't go through it. Like people would understand. No one's like, Oh, but you should have like done this or you should have done this. It's like, no, People are just there to listen and to give support and understand, and you don't feel stupid for anything. So yeah, I'm I'm still amazed by this this trust and this like honesty that we have. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. I just think about the pandemic and how it oddly opened up my life to a global community. The, mm-hmm. the pandemic is what caused the idea of the collective to happen like I was like everyone's alone I'm getting this surge of one-on-one coaching requests because everyone's freaking out and their eating disorders are freaking out because of this pandemic we need to all come together and I really created something because I felt like we needed to come together even though everyone was isolated so now we all have friends all over the world which is probably the coolest most exciting part to me. So you guys have both shared so much about your recovery journeys. And I wanted to check in with you and know where exactly are you two now? What stage of recovery would you say you're in and what's left for your journey? All right. So for me, I actually went through it the other day, but because I, there are those like definition of the different stages of recovery, I think they kind of like custom workbook and mm-hmm. through coaching, I was going through them. And for me, I think it's like, well, definitely the later stages where I'm not acting on any like very overt behaviors, mm-hmm. but there are still thoughts in my head that I can't fully ignore. And sometimes they're louder and sometimes they're a bit quieter and I can feel that it also depends on my general like well-being my mental health and how late or how stressed I am maybe how this might affect me so yeah what I'm really trying to work on is to keep up the motivation because I feel like I'm quite stable when it comes to like food and and, and movement but it's still this you know this like slippery slope so I have to be still be careful what I'm doing and I'm still very much aware of what I'm doing and yeah, so the, the thoughts are still there, even though a lot of them I can quickly like have the discussion in my head and I'm like, yeah, but you're not, you're wrong and you're just trying to, you know, <laughs> uh, talk me down or whatever. So I would say, I hope that somewhat explained where I am. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you're in the phase of vigilance. You know what you need to do. Your healthy self is strong enough to win against the eating disorder the vast majority of the times. And now you're kind of protecting your progress and making sure that you don't go down that slippery slope. Yeah. Mm, Okay. Very good. It's so wonderful to hear how far you've come. Kelsey, what about you? Yeah. Like Anna, pretty much in a similar spot, basically. So I've come a very far away. I mean, 
I never thought I'd even want to be recovered. So I feel like that's even big in and of itself. But basically, I, I feel like I have thoughts and urges. And like, I know, like, it's not an option for me anymore. Like, I'm like, no, like, it's not an option, but they're still there. And it's so like, I don't like, I mean, I'm trusting that they go away. I don't know. (laughs) So I'm very vigilant right now because Mm -hmm. I, I don't feel like I'm like strong enough yet in recovery to let my guard down Mm -hmm. because I feel like it could be easy to like slip back into like old patterns. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I just want to make sure that I'm not doing that and hopefully in time it won't be it'll just be how I am I won't have to be like vigilant about it and like asking myself like oh well like why am I doing that like because I'm always questioning like it's like like if I want to like work out it's like okay well why like because that's Mm -hmm. I mean it's fine to work out it's great but I just I have to like question my motives because yeah. it's, I just don't want to go backwards. Yeah. Well, I think after having, I mean, how many years, almost 20 years with an eating disorder. Yeah. Uh, it's going to take a long time to unlearn a lot of those disordered thoughts that have been automatic to you for so long. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that after being a year in, there's still some thoughts floating around up there, but part of recovery is having those thoughts and realizing that you, you know, acting on them is not an option and you're not going to, or you will do the opposite of what those thoughts are. And then allowing your healthy self to have its voice and speak up and protect you from any sort of falling back. I also want to add about the healthy self voice. Like, I think especially in the beginning stages of recovery, it's really hard to like access that mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel authentic. And I, I guess I would just advise that like, you just keep going with it because I don't even really realize when it happened, but there's like a point where it starts, like you start actually like, oh yeah, I actually do believe that. Like, like you're not just like, I don't know if that makes any sense. It's just yeah. sometimes it, it's sometimes you kind of have to like fake it till you make it, I guess, with the healthy self voice, because mm-hmm. it, the eating disorder really does not like that voice. So it really tries hard to, to shut it down. Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of it is practicing using the healthy self voice and kind of trying on the thoughts, like you're trying on a hat, you know, you're like, is this going to work for me? Is it going to look good on me? Is it going to feel good? And then eventually buying into the thoughts and actually believing them for real. And you have to really get clear on the emotions behind it, like the good emotions, like you, those emotional healthy self responses are usually what much more powerful than the responses that come from like a, a book you read with yeah. the yeah medical fact or something like that but anyway I did want to ask you both one more question and that is what are you excited about now that you are recovery mentors inside of our community and so that's kind of the first part what are you excited about and what do you want to offer and share to the new members like what are you excited to 
give them and provide to them in this mentor role? So for me, I'm just like super excited to be, I don't know, more like involved and have like more active role from another perspective, basically. And also, yeah, just show like other members and share my experiences because of course we see all of you coaches or like all of the lovely people who give the workshops. But I mean, like Kelsey and I were still like in the middle of it, right? So we experienced like just hand. And I think because I've also experienced now how like supporting others is like such an amazing experience just by sharing and being vulnerable and being supportive. And I'm really, really looking forward to, yeah, supporting more people and meeting all of the new members and being sort of uh, like a, maybe a voice also for the members if they have any concerns or wishes or need support or have ideas or whatever to be sort of this like the voice for the members to yeah also shape our collective more like even even more so as a team and from like both sides basically Mm -hmm. yeah it's really a unique role because you have that experience of being a member and going through recovery all of last year as a member and now being able to kind of help bridge the gap between members and then the professionals on the other side. So I do love that. And I'm really excited for that too. And I just can't wait to have you be a leader in our community. And it's going to be just the best. I I can already tell. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. And Kelsey, what are you excited about? What are you hoping to offer to members as a mentor in the community? Uh, First off, I'm just like really excited to be a mentor. And I, I kind of, kind of find it a little bit humorous. Like, there, like if you asked me, like, a couple of years ago, like, or if you had told me, like, oh, you're gonna be an eating disorder recovery mentor, I'd be like, what? Like, there's no way. Like, <laughs> so I'm just so excited though to help people, and I feel like, I, I really, really feel like helping other people with their eating disorder recovery I, like selfishly it helps me it, I, I mean like I'm also help like I want to help others too but it really does help me as well because it shows me I can't be like doing stuff behind the scenes if I'm like gonna be like you know like saying this to other people you know mm. you have to like practice what you preach kind of thing exactly. and also I feel like Anna and I were lucky that we got to start in the collective when it first, when it first came together. So we were like, like everybody was new. And I feel like if I were to join now, I might be a little intimidated. Mm -hmm. And so I want to be there and for the new people so that they know they're not alone and they're going to come in and they're going to be part of the family too. And so I just, I want to be, I guess, like supportive in that way to really, to really help members get the most out of their membership, really, because I think too, yes, the collective offers a lot of like great things, but it's what you do with the opportunities that really makes the difference. And so I really want to help support people get what they want to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You bring up such a good point, which is, first of all, the membership needs to be utilized. Like if you become a member, 
yes, maybe your healthy self feels good because you can say, oh, I, I have this membership now, but it's really what you make of it and how you apply it. And so that's part of why we decided to create your roles as recovery mentors is to be the ones to guide the new members through their experience and really see, okay, what are you hoping to get out of this? Okay. I suggest that you attend these events or watch these workshops um, on the content library and talk to this person. It's like with you guys who have been in it from the start, you have that kind of edge to help people fully integrate, which I love. And then also the other point you brought up was how we do have about 60 members right now, super excited to invite new people into our community in 2022. And that's why we actually decided to be a little bit more strategic with keeping our membership doors open until February 2nd and then closing them for a few months because what's, what that's going to do is create a little bit like a, a little class, like a freshman class of new members who are all starting together. So we can, the three of us and Anne Claire and Talia can kind of help guide the new members together as a, as their collective fresh start happens, which is really cool. So I think that'll be a cool and helpful and supportive aspect to 2022. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? I think it's great. I mean, just also as Kelsey mentioned, it's like they can be this level of intimidation if you start now. And I really like to have like a group of people who will be new. So it's like more of a common feeling also. And also what we start now is that people who join you, they will have like short sort of welcome introductory calls with Kelsey or me. So you already have like a familiar face before entering a call. So yeah, just to get everyone start to be like a little more easygoing and welcoming. So I think it's, it's a real great idea. Yes. Oh, another good point you brought up, another detail. If anyone listening joins before February 2nd, you'll have either Kelsey or Anna welcoming you with a little short one-on-one welcome call where we teach you how to use the platform because we have a content library full of content from last year. We, You guys will teach them how to access the Zoom link, how to access the events, how to use the Facebook group. So that will be a very important and helpful meeting too. So, oh, you guys are going to just do so well. And I'm very excited to have you be part of the leadership inside our community. I'm very excited, Meg. I think also too, to mention in the welcome call, it's, it's not all just like, clinical like how to stuff yeah. we also it's it's fun like you know like we we want to like we want you to get to know us and we want to get to know you so it's not it's not like that formal like don't stress <laughs> about it but it's just it's just so I I think it's really exciting I I'm I'm really excited that we're implementing this now me too me too all right well you two have been just fabulous today. Thank you so much for opening up about your recovery journeys and your new roles as mentors. And it's been a true joy and pleasure of mine to see you two grow over 
the past year. And I can't wait to see you two step up as leaders inside the community and just bring an extra layer of peace and friendship among our current members and new members. So thank you guys. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you, Meg. All right. I'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye. So are you ready to join us in 2022? Head on over to the show notes and become a member of the Recovery Collective before February 2nd. You can also check out the website, which is www.recoverycollective.mykajabi.com. That's recoverycollective.mykajabi.com to become a part of the 2022 class of new members. I look forward to seeing all of you there. Let's recover together because why not add some levity, connection, and dare I say fun back into your life. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Full and Thriving Podcast.